It's the 2022 World Cup. It's Germany's players. Hello and welcome to the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. And today we are looking at Germany's squad for the 2022 World Cup. Short version, please. So we introduced uh, a few points coming out of the uh, previous podcast that we've done, and we'll kind of detail them a bit here. Uh, do you want to take us through them, or maybe one by one? Yeah, I'll, I'll introduce them. And the first point we had was shocking lapses. <laughs> do you have any in mind, Connor? Um, there's just the big one, uh, which was the last World Cup. Yeah, getting knocked out at the group stage in uh, 2018, unable to score against South Korea in that third game, yeah. uh, just the second time that they've been knocked out at the group stage. And then in uh, qualifying for this cup, uh, despite I believe they won all of their games, but a big shock with a home loss to North Macedonia. Uh, it seems like both of those events are only possible in an alternate universe. Yeah, Germany, um, kind of the, the model of consistency. So, yeah, those, uh, those lapses come in kind of quick succession, definitely uh, a shock to the system. Yeah, and uh, I'm kind of proud of the little saying I came up with for Germany while writing the notes. Germany, oh, you're supposed to introduce it. Sure, uh, Germany laps but don't lull, um, which is, uh, is very well summed up. Yeah, okay, well, I'll explain that. Their only loss in qualification um, uh, was that loss to uh, North Macedonia. And Germany's, of course, known for their consistency. Uh, prior to 2018, as I said, uh, only knocked out once at the group stage uh, of the World Cup, and they've always made it to the World Cup. Uh, they, have, uh, they haven't ever suffered two group stage knockouts in the World Cup in a row, but in Euro Cup they have in 2000 and 2004. However, in between, uh, they finished second in the World Cup, so we could hardly call that a lull. Uh, however, a poor showing here, uh, given their group stage exit in 2018 and a bit of a struggling performance in the Euro 2020 with a round of 16 finish, uh, would constitute their biggest lull. Would you say so here? Or what would you call it a lull? Uh, what would they have to do to, to be in a lull here? I think you're looking at probably two or three tournaments consecutively or some big some big misses so Italy would be an example of the missing out in two World Cups even with a, a European championship in between but I think it's that that successive failures um, yeah as uh, by Germany's standards though I, I think uh, um, uh, failing to reach two World Cups in a row would actually break up the country but by Germany's standards, I think even a round of 16 finish in the next World Cup would constitute a lull. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Germany, I think they have more um, kind of semi-final appearances than anyone else in terms of first, second, thirds. And you look at Euros and World Cups, they so consistently get to the last four. So that, that has to be their aim at a minimum. So I guess in that regard, yeah, round of 16 or, or possibly even quarterfinals could could be seen as a fall from their normal high standards. Yeah. 
All right. Well, it's not the team podcast, but perhaps we'll discuss that a little bit more in the uh, in the update podcast. We did kind of talk about it in the uh, in the group podcast. Let's move on and uh, talk about the change of the long term manager. As, as we were going through the players there, Connor, um, did you uh, feel that the the change of manager had made a big difference? Um, I think kind of the. Um, Germany had a, a generation that, that won the 2014 World Cup that was kind of aging out. And some names like Schweinsteiger and, and Cruz, um, Podolski, kind of some other players had, had gone. So I think the, the task for, for Flick is to, is to rebuild the team in a sense, especially given their um, you know, fate at the last World Cup, and to rebuild it kind of with some younger players. So I think there are players getting a new chance. We've seen some players come return after absences. Um, and I think it's, it's uh, some younger players as well. Um, you know, Flick has a job of kind of rebuilding kind of the next great uh, German team. I agree with you. And actually love uh, had to do the same thing in 2006. They were in a bit of a, uh, uh, as we saw two Euro cup uh, group stage exits in a row in 2000 and 2004. So there was a bit of rebuilding in 2006. Uh, Love rebuilt the, the team and now it's uh, kind of time for rebuilding uh, again. Um, I would say one of the things I noticed is a bit uh, unsettled. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, jumping into your role again, but maybe you can uh, talk about it. Uh, what you felt as we were going through the player by player. The headline here is... Um, a bit of difficulty settling on the starters. Yeah, I, I think in, in several positions, they've been trying out different players, um, a little bit to an alarming degree. And as we said, for a long time, Germany kind of knew who its starting 11 was. Um, I think if firm starters are to be settled upon, it looks like they're going to have to figure that out in the cup as they only have a couple games in September coming up and only one uh, pre-tournament friendly scheduled. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Germany is a is a is a team and a country that kind of uh, craves stability. Uh, on that note, I have a little quiz for you, Connor. Joachim Love was manager for uh, fifteen years. That's got to be the longest uh, lasting German manager, right? I, I would think so, but uh, maybe there's something in the history of East or West Germany that you can pull up. Yeah, it's uh, Sepp Herberger was the manager of Germany from 1936 to 1964. Holy smokes. Yeah, that is, uh, hang on, that's 28 years, I think. Wow. So uh, despite Logan's, uh, Love's long period, it was almost uh, just a little more than half of Herberger's. Anyway, I mean, that does kind of show uh, Germany's uh, uh, I think they like things to be settled, consistent, predictable, uh, and stuff like that. So I think it is a bit worrying how much uh, rotation they've been doing in the positions, in, in some of the positions here. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, talk about uh, their club affiliations. And um, do you want to take it away? Yeah. Overall, I mean, it's a pretty impressive list of club affiliations. The vast majority um, of players play in Germany. Um, of course, Bayern Munich is is the most represented club, but you also have Dortmund, um, Leipzig, uh, Gladbach, um, Wolfsburg, so some other teams as well. But but typically they're coming from teams that are, are top half German teams. And then on top of that, you also have a couple of players um, playing in, in England. Um, 
you know, Robin Gosens is an Inter Milan. Um, of course, Havertz at Chelsea, Ter Stegen at Barcelona. Um, so overall, it's it's they're they're massive clubs that pretty much all of these players are uh, affiliated with. Yeah, I mean uh, Germany is a very healthy league, so not not uh, like some countries where you know to up your game, you kind of have to move to a to a, a bigger uh, country. Um, so it's fine uh, if they're at home, and if they do go outside, it tends to be uh, some of the biggest clubs uh, outside of Germany. And I think it probably benefits Germany. I mean, they have a lot of a core from Bayern Munich who know each other very well, but I think it benefits them to have players in different leagues, getting different types of experience, different styles of play, um, getting to learn other leagues and players. So um, I think the balance is very good for Germany. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about some of the stats uh, for Germany. And we have... um, Sorry, I just got to open the right document or consult the right document here uh one of the stats we look at is kind of the total number of candidates they have on the table it's not really a, a factor for germany uh, the average is uh, 50 uh, they have 41 so uh, a fairly uh, um small number of candidates to choose from these would be candidates who've been kind of called up since 2020 uh, uh do you have any comment on that yeah, I mean, we we talked about um, settling on starters being a thing, but it, they're not necessarily, um, you know, casting the net all that wide and playing players, pulling new players in. There's, for the most part, they're players who are around the club and they're just trying to find the right mix of who's going to start. Um, so, yeah, I think that probably helps, but I think that's a, a finer point is they may not have starters, but they, they kind of have a, a core group or a smaller group of players who they're using in those positions, even if we're seeing rotation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we saw with teams that have, say, more than 60, that would be like Mexico and USA and uh, Ecuador and Ghana. Uh, they're, they're really going to have a headache reducing the squad to 22. Uh, Germany seemed to be doing fine with these 40, uh, 41 candidates, which is a fairly small stable. But as you say, among those candidates, uh, there's quite a bit of rotation. And so the next... Uh, uh, the next one, that one was 10 below average, uh, but the next one, players under more serious consideration, that would be definite, likely, or possible, is 30 candidates. Um, any comments on that? Um, yeah, 30 is, is more than the squad number um, that they can bring, so obviously there's going to be some players who've been involved who will have to be trimmed down. Um, yeah, for other clubs, we've seen you know, less than the full number, so they're probably bringing in players, but Germany might, um, yeah, initially have the opposite problem of cutting down players who've, who've yeah. been involved recently. Well, the average is 33, and we can guess that okay. uh, some of the possible players that we've talked about uh, won't be selected. We wouldn't be surprised by that. There's always a couple of new candidates who are in good form that they bring to the cup. In the update podcast in September, we'll probably see a couple of new names. Uh Right now, the total number of players in the definite and likely category uh, is 20. So uh, from among those 30, or if we add a couple, say 33, they have to reduce it to 26. And it looks like 20 of them are already pretty much decided. Uh, Anything to add there? No, I I think you summed that up well. Okay, well, uh, in average age, would you guess uh, Germany is a bit older or younger? Or what do you think? I think they're going to be pretty close to average. 
but um, yeah. yeah okay we'll take a look at it it's actually a bit above average uh, 27.2 with the average being 26.5 uh, there and I'll just kind of cover Manuel Neuer is 36 uh, but we do have um, uh, seven or oh, sorry nine of those 30 players uh, who are 30 years old or older and we only have um, uh, three who are 22 years or younger so a bit uh, a bit balanced on the older side there but do you see that as a problem um no, I don't think so. I think they have enough young players to call on if they want and enough talent. I mean, Germany always seems to produce talented players. But, um, yeah, hopefully that experience, um, you know, from a German perspective will, will end up being an advantage. They're not old by any means. Um, but, you know, some players with a lot of caps should help. Yeah, you're right. Not old by any means because uh, uh, after the 36-year-old goalkeeper there, the next oldest is... Uh, is uh, Marco Royce at 33 and Thomas Muller. So uh, even that's not uh, particularly old. And as you said, with that age comes experience and uh, they have uh, an average number of caps of 34.4, the average being 27.8. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think that speaks to not necessarily an older team, but an experienced team. Um, and I think that's definitely a, a positive. I think that works in in, in their favor. Yeah, uh, total goals is shocking among those uh, among those uh, thirty players. We look at uh, definite, likely, impossible candidates here. Uh, one hundred and eighty goals. The average is one hundred and twenty. And if we balance that out with uh, goals per player, the average is three point seven, and Germany's is six. So. Um, uh, all that basically adds up to a very high-scoring team. Yeah, and they get goals from different positions. We we mentioned um, one of their, their right-backs, it may have been Hoffman, with four goals from 16 appearances. So they have players who can who can score from all over. Rudiger and, and Sule, both a goal threat from the back as well. Yeah, well, we have a, a bit of stats. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but we did notice that uh, Muller and Wern, uh, sorry, uh, Timo Werner's scoring percentage uh, were quite good. So I'll just tell you, Thomas Muller is the 37%, um, Timo Werner 43%, and Serge Gnabry, even though it's over a fewer number of games, uh, 20 goals in 36 games, a whopping uh, 55%. Yeah. That's yeah, it. but then we have a lot of players who are above 20%. There are some teams who don't even have any players with 20%. Uh, and as you say, some of their, uh, uh, some of their more defensive players um, uh, uh, have uh, percentages uh, 10 to 20%, which is quite good. So uh, goals from all over the field, as you, as you say. Okay, well, let's move on uh, from that and look at a couple of player uh, issues. And um, uh, do you want to introduce them? Yeah, so um, starting in defense, we have uh, Germany has to settle, I guess, on a central defense and formation. 
Right, so sometimes it's a two-man central defense and sometimes a three-man. Uh, it alternated throughout, uh, especially at the end, alternating from one to the other in the last two friendlies and the four Nations League games. Uh, I'm not sure myself, uh, maybe you have an opinion whether it's strategic or is it uh, on this, uh, kind of indecision or, or perhaps based on who's available, Connor? Yeah, it might be a bit of based on who's available and based on on the opponent. Um, yeah, I, I think they'll probably, as they did with the last tournament, probably pick a formation and stick with it. But yeah, maybe there is a bit more flexibility. But um, I think for game one, they'll need to obviously know what, what formation they're going to set up with and who's going to fill the roles. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's kind of worked out in the group stage of the Cup. Right now, it seems like Rudiger and Sule uh, is the most likely pairing with uh, Carer as the uh, as the uh, most likely third. But there's been a lot of uh, rotation and there's no pair or grouping that's been consistent enough really for players to uh, get used to their partners in the positions. So a bit of an issue in several positions, really. All right. Uh, yeah, um, go ahead. We have uh, Hoffman as either right back or right winger. Uh, yeah, we saw in the Euro Cup, Kimmich was there, but uh, you told us why uh, he was uh, more of a central midfielder under this manager. So it seems to be settling on Hoffman, or it seemed to be that way during World Cup qualifying. But then uh, three players started the position over the last four Nations League games. So it was Hoffman twice, but uh, uh, it seems a bit up in the air. All right, let's move on to midfield. Sure. Um, so um, Kimmich seems most likely to start there, but we'll see whether it'll be Gundogan or Goretzka alongside him. Yeah, I don't think uh, we need to say much more than that. The position's a little bit unsettled there. Uh, we may uh, get a bit more light shed on this in the September games. Uh, if you have nothing to add, Connor, we can move on to attack. Yeah, and the first one uh, I'll mention there is whether it'll be Sané or Musiala as the, the left attacking midfielder, uh, two Bayern teammates, uh, I should mention. Oh, interesting, yeah. Uh, towards the end, uh, they shared this position. It was uh, kind of Sané uh, quite a bit at first. Mula was over there too. Uh, Sané seems the more likely, but uh, Musiala seems to be uh, being used a lot, so they may kind of look for a place for him to come into. Yeah, next we have um, who the right attacking midfielder will be. Yeah, uh, more unsettled than the left side. Uh, uh, Nabry and Havers and Muller and uh, several others, including central midfielder Hoffman, uh, have been seen uh, starting on that side. So uh, that needs to be pinned down perhaps a little more. And then uh, as will a central attacking midfielder, and, and part of that is whether they'll use one, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Uh, several players stepping into the role. Uh, Marco Royce actually more than any other single player, but he seems uh, like he won't make the squad. So uh, probably Havertz and Muller. They have these uh, Havertz, Muller, and Musiala kind of roving, uh, roving, um, attacking midfielders there. Yeah, and then finally, uh, will it be Werner as a starting centre forward? All right, well, part of that roving uh, attacking midfielder is that Nabry, Havertz, and Muller have all stepped into the uh, into the centre-forward role, but it is one of the more settled positions um, 
for the team. All right, let's move on to look at some of the new players on the squad. All right, um, we'll just mention these by name, I believe, unless there's anything else you want uh, to mention, Kevin. Uh, I might mention a couple of things, but we've gone through them in the player by player, so it's uh, uh, just a review at this stage. Yeah, so for, for definites, we have uh, Tilo Carer and David Rom. Okay, both of those are defenders. Thilo Carrer, a central defender who I think has played on the right a couple of times. David Rom seems to be established as the left back or left winger, depending on the position. Yeah. And then we have uh, Nico Schlotterbeck, as well as Lucas Mecha, who are, we both listed um, as possible. Uh, yeah, they're both uh, young. Um, generally, a lot of these players are young, but we may have... Uh, older players who are newly joining the team. Uh, Slaughterback is a central defender. Um, and uh, Lucas Mecha, a, a, a forward, though usually used as a substitute rather than a starter. Yeah. And I think I said possible, but those those two are, are likely. Right. Um, but in possible, we do have two names. Those are Oliver Bauman and Kareem Adeyemi. Right, and we said it uh, in the player-by-player, -player, Oliver Bauman may have come in as a replacement. I'd be a bit surprised to see him selected for the squad, uh, given the quality of candidates that uh, Germany has in goal. Uh, Kareem Adeyemi, yeah, a forward. Uh, Oliver Bauman is 32 years old, by the way, so just new to the squad, uh, but not a young player. Uh, Kareem Adeyemi, in contrast, is just 20 years old. And then the final name on this list is Ridley Baku, um, who we have as possible but unlikely. Yeah, he looked like he was uh, making a bit of an inroad there uh, during the period that we talked about, but ended up only uh, starting two games and and uh, not called up as much as it looked like he was going to be. Uh, so that is uh, new players. You can see they're all kind of in uh, light grey there, which indicates that they have never uh, been in a tournament before. Uh, let's move on to injuries. All right. Um, first, actually, the uh, the only name we have to really mention is Lucas Klosterman. Yeah, we had a couple of uh, a couple of questions. I think we had a question mark about Marco Royce, but he was back in action. The players that we had questions about uh, look like it's not an issue. However, for uh, Lucas Klosterman. Uh, right, uh, coded as a right back, but also has played on the right side of that three-man defense. Uh, out with a ruptured ligament uh, from mid-August with an unknown return date. So uh, I don't know um, how long a ruptured ligament goes on for, but to me that looks like it could impact his World Cup chance. Yeah, not, not looking great for him. Yeah, again, maybe we can update this uh, in the podcast on any new injuries that happen between then and now. But we're going to finish this section with uh, notable absences. Yeah, um, so these are people that seem to be off the squad. So uh, in goal, we have Burns Leno. Right, and you talked a bit uh, in the play-by-play -play podcast, maybe uh, a bit about form there. Yeah, um, and then other players who, who've been with the team, um, kind of bigger names, uh, Mats Hummels, um, Emre Chan, and uh, Tony Cruz. Right, and we won't go into detail on these because we did do so in the 
player by player podcast, but uh, um, yeah, it's Matt Hummel's uh, a central defender who uh, um, uh, I think he was the one left out of Euro 2020. Uh, no, he actually did play in Euro 2020, so uh, I, I was wrong there. Uh, Emery Chan, just 28 years old, uh, but um, uh, hasn't been called up since the Euro Cup in 2021. And uh, same with uh, Tony Cruz, although he did announce his retirement. Uh, we also have some players. Uh, we do have some listeners who kind of follow teams from World Cup to World Cup. So we're just going to mention some names of uh, uh, key kind of World Cup players who are no longer with Germany. Yeah, a couple of big names. Um, Jerome Boateng, um, as well as uh, Sammy Kadira, the two most notable. All right. So, yeah, uh, kind of as you, uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the generation that you know, Wacken Love uh, built in 2006. A lot of them retired before this tournament, but there is some rebuilding for the new manager uh, to do. Uh, but now we're going to finish the podcast by, or finish the media cast by going through the the names that we've listed and try to predict who's going to be starters. Uh, we won't talk too much about substitutes because anyone who's in the definite or likely candidate uh, category uh, who isn't uh, nominated as a starter will probably be a substitute. So let's uh, begin with the manager. And uh, we have, uh, do you want to take us through the candidates, Connor? Yeah, I mean, uh, Joachim Love was a previous manager, um, but firmly in there now is Hansi Flick. Right, he hasn't been through a tournament before, but uh, we doubt that they would change their manager at this point. Uh, let's move on to goalkeepers, and perhaps we'll name the definite and likely candidates uh, as we go through. Yeah, so we have Neuer as a definite candidate, Manuel Neuer, and then likely we have Kevin Trapp. All right, do you see a starter there? Um, it may be his last major tournament, maybe not, um, but it, I see Manuel Neuer still as the uh, the starter, as he has been for many tournaments now. Yeah, I think so, and uh, has played most of their games. Uh, the substitutes are a bit more uh, interesting, but we're not uh, really going to do that here, but um, probably Trap will be among them. Uh, central defenders, who do we have? Um, indefinite, we have uh, Nicholas Sula and uh, Thilo Kehrer. And then, unlikely, we have Antonio Rudiger, um, as well as uh, Nico Schlotterback. Uh, right, and uh, again, that kind of comes down to whether it's going to be a two-man uh, or a three-man. Um, I actually think myself that uh, Nicholas Suler and uh, Antonio Rudiger would be part of the two-man defense. And then uh, Theo uh, Kera added, if it's a three-man defense, uh, what do you think? I uh, I agree entirely with that. Um, yeah, I think Sula yeah. and Rudiger are the most likely starters. Right, but we are oversimplifying it a bit there because uh, uh, several players, even uh, right back uh, Klosterman, has come into the position. Uh, so it's quite possible that other names will show up. Uh, I'm not uh, uh, willing to say Thilo Kerr will be a starter uh, there. Uh, how about left back? We only have uh, one definite candidate, and that is David Rahm. 
Right, he's been pretty consistent uh, either as a left back in a four-man formation or a left winger in the uh, three-man defence. Uh, I think he's the starter there. Yeah. Uh, we have right backs. Yeah, we have Josh Kimmick um, and Jonas Hoffman as definite. Um, and then Lucas Klosterman as likely, though he does have that injury doubt hanging over him. Right. Well, we did see that Joshua Kimmich actually has moved to central midfield, so I'm going to actually move him uh, right here. Do you think he'll be a starter? I, I do think Kimmich will start, but in central midfield, as you've identified. And, right. and so that leaves me uh, feeling confident that Jonas Hoffman will be the right back. Again, yeah, maybe a bit oversimplified here because we uh, have seen other people in the position. Excuse me, and we have seen Hoffman play as a as an attacking midfielder, but um, uh, I'd say, yeah, uh, confident enough that he'll be there. Uh, defensive midfielders, it looks like we don't have any definite or possible candidates there. Um, no, not in the defensive uh, midfield position. Um, but we do in central midfield. We have Joshua Kimmich, who you mentioned, as well as uh, Ilkay Gundogan. Um, indefinitely. Uh, yes. Um, and do you see uh, Gundogan as a starter? He's kind of, I'm going to actually move Leon Goretzka uh, up to here because um, uh, we have him as a likely candidate as a left midfielder, but actually he's been playing in central midfield. Uh, do you see Gundogan or Goretzka as uh, definite starters? Um, I, I think as we identified, it'll be Kimmich with either Gundogan or Goretzka. Um, and I favor Gundogan in that, in that role. Um, okay. Yeah. I've uh, actually started using yellow uh, to, to identify kind of an alternating uh, players because there are some teams that, that kind of alternate on purpose even. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to, uh, well, left wingers, uh, we, we saw the defensive, uh, the, the right back and left back uh, moving up to there, but we do have uh, uh, one candidate there, Marco Royce, uh, as a possible. So I think we go right to the uh, attacking end of the field with the left and right midfielders. Yes, um, in, in left midfielders, we don't have any definite or likely candidates, but in right side, we do where we've identified Thomas Muller and Leroy Sané. Right, and I think I'm going to move uh, um, Leroy Sané over to the left because that's primarily where he has played. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to nominate him as a starter quite boldly uh, because he has played there the most. Yeah, I think he, he faces some threats, notably from Musiala or possibly even Havertz, but... Um, I'm going to agree with you and say that he would be starting in, in left mid, the left kind of attacking midfield position. Yeah, I, I would say I'm like 80% confidence on that. Uh, right midfielder, uh, I think Thomas Muller will be a starter, but he could, he could almost start in any uh, position there on the attacking end of the field. Uh, any opinion there? Uh, I think they'll find room for him. Personally, I think if they use um, a 4-2-3-1, Mueller will be in kind of that uh, attacking mid position behind the forward. Um, if not, I see him on the right on the right side. But I, I think they'll they will find room for him to to start on the field. Yeah, I like the way you put it there. I mean, sometimes they put him as forward uh, to find room for him. 
And speaking of players nominated as forwards, uh, do you want to take us through the main candidates? Yeah, so starting with attacking midfielders, we have Kai Havertz and Jamal Musiala in our definite category. Uh, any starters between those two? Um, possible, but um, I, I actually think um, we'll have to go to the forwards for me to find out. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm actually tempted to say Kai Havertz. Again, kind of like Muller, somewhere up there. Um, uh, would you disagree? Um, I think it's possible he is a versatile player. Um, looking at, at forwards, we have uh, Timo Werner as definite and Serge Gnabry as likely. And I actually favor probably Werner up top and, and Gnabry on the right-hand side, which does kind of force Havertz out. But I do agree with you that they might want to find a Yeah, I, I kind of uh, agree with you. Actually, Gnabry has been playing... On the sorry, I'm going to uh, just uh, cough here. Um, I do agree with you that Nabry uh, is actually more of a starter than Havertz for me. Uh, he's been fairly regular on the right side. Uh, maybe I'll put uh, Havertz as a as a as a um, an alternating. Although I don't know how they're going to fit him in. I think over the course of at least three group stage games, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Havertz start at least one of those games. Yeah, that's what I mean. And that's kind of what the yellow means, is that they they, they will be a starter, but perhaps not the regular starter. Uh, would you see any other players, just in finishing here, that you would change from green to yellow? Green being uh, a starter kind of every game, uh, with yellow being a sometimes starter. If any, I see perhaps Leroy Sané and Musiala being a little bit interchangeable. Um, it may come into club form or, or just preference. I think they'll both get starts. I do favor Sané as as I think you do, but I Musiala, he's young, but he's uh, he certainly could could start. Yeah, well, I did say eighty percent with Sané, which uh, um, is a little less than being a, a nailed on starter. Uh, I guess we can look at the September games and see if that uh, sheds any more light on yeah. the matter. Yeah. Uh, but that brings us to the end of this uh, media cast. Yeah, so keep in mind we will be doing an update as new information comes out, and that will probably be in, in earlier mid-November when teams will be publishing squad lists. Right, and uh, keep an eye on us at Soccerfiles uh, uh, Soccer Canada. That's Soccerfiles with a PH in the middle and an S at the end. And our website is soccerfiles.captivate.fm. And uh, check out the show notes. We've been improving those uh, links to the website and previous podcast series and uh, all sorts of stuff in there. And uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for joining, Connor. Yeah, we'll see you next time.